You are listening to We Woke Up Like This. I'm Reverend Joya. And I'm Reverend Celia. And we We are loyal to loving and supporting soul awakening in every human being. On this episode of We Woke Up Like This, we dive into the second half of Lesson 3 of The Way of Mastery, talking about forgiveness. And just a little forewarning for triggers or for little ears, we do talk about sexual abuse in this episode. Good morning, greetings, good afternoon, good day, beautiful listeners. Of Hello, listeners. Like <laughs> so I am Reverend Joya, if you're new to this podcast. And I'm Reverend Celia, and thank you for being with us today as we continue reading our third chapter, our third lesson, excuse me, on the power of forgiveness. Um, If you're just joining us, I invite you to grab your journal and to open your book to page number 35. We are halfway through at How Forgiveness Heals. We are ready to dive into the good stuff. So before we do that, have you been practicing any of the exercises last week about um, recognizing is your life worthy of your respect and knowing that we don't live any ordinary moments? Oh, yeah. I've been having all the extraordinary moments. (laughs) And just looking um, and noticing in my observation of how spirit reveals to me and just being in great gratitude for having the eyes to see. And also just like I noticed the attunement to my listening and hearing what others are saying and how I interpret what others are saying and where those triggers are and Mm. healing the parts inside of me that have been in the great void of separation And what a beautiful um, practice that is for me. How about you? What have you been leaning into this last week? Mm. Well, first of all, it feels like time is weird and that I'm in like a really bizarre time warp that time is not behaving the way that it used to behave. It's so strange. Um, I love that this, my focus has been on um, that your ordinary daily life is the most perfect ashram you could ever be within. It's the holy city. It's the wise pilgrimage you make every day. And that there are millions of opportunities to tune into the awareness of the moment and to ask, what is the moment teaching me? And just as we um, (laughs) continue to ask, right? It's like, and just this reading this again, the result is your ordinary daily life. I'm like, oh, well, that's because, well, the way is the way, like we've been talking about and trusting that, um, that it's, that it's, it's so strange, Celia. Like, I feel like I'm coming into this really um, middle pathway of and, you know, I love the word and, and I'm really feeling like that I'm like starting to live like in between these two paradoxes of the paradox of the extremes that it like, it swings back around in a way where, where life is ordinary and there's nothing ordinary about life. Right. Exactly. And where like everything is, everything is a miracle and miracles are ordinary. And it's really like this reframing of 
how I look at things and also moods. I've been noticing my own moods and my and the moods that arise, this energy that arises with moods. And Say more. Um, well, I guess if you want, want to call that emotion or, but it doesn't necessarily feel emotional, but then again, I'm just learning what that means coming back home into my body, all the different many emotions that live in the body and just really feeling like this, these, um, the moods and how really in reality, I'm lots of different ways of being in a day, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's part of the wending I, I experience is like being able to flow within myself, right? And noticing as I, as it's happening, where I'm going and, and what consciousness I'm going in and how I'm allowing that to enliven my body. And is it a place I got stuck somewhere else? You know, that's been a theme for me this last couple of days and just like allowing that to come forward and thaw out. And do the forgiveness work. <laughs> the forgiveness work is such a big part of it. And um, yeah, this these embodiment practices that I've been working with um, in the areas of trauma, releasing trauma, and mm-hmm. um, writing out this whole program and system that is finally freeing me from this binge eating prison I put myself in to be getting to step out of that prison. Okay. This is a perfect analogy of how it feels like, like to, to have stepped out of that prison is like really stepping out of this cage that I was in and feeling like there's just this wide expanse of possibility in front of me. And at the same time, that feels a little bit scary. And where does that scary feeling live? Like I'm sitting with that. Like, am I actually afraid? Like, is it fight or flight? Or is this the expansion? Like I'm asking myself this question as those moments are hitting inside of me, exactly what you're talking about. Because I too created my own little prison, you know, of separateness in a lot of different ways. And I noticed leaning into that, like choosing to lean into that brings those feelings online so that I can free myself. And that's the whole point. And, and then what blows my mind even further is like, where did I make that up? Like, right. Where did I make that up? And for me in the, I've been doing some forgiveness work this morning around, um, I had an appendicitis when I was a, a young girl and I think I was 11 when that happened and I had um, this little doctor and he came in and he interrogated me and said that I was pregnant and said that we have, his words were girls like you. We have girls like, just like you. That's what he said. We have girls just like you who are pregnant. So don't lie to me. And so then she says to the nurse, and I'm like, he's like, are you having sex? He asked How old me, were you? I'm 11. And my, my <sighs> grandma was in the bathroom, right? Like, like, I'm by myself having this conversation with the nurse and the doctor. But it was the, it was the way he did it. He condemned me. Like it was a condemnation of my 11-year-old sex. And what, what 
um, I wasn't having sex, but I had already had sexual experience, you know, that was, I'm going to use the words not appropriate for my age at that time. Um, when I was seven. And so like this, it was a trigger, like, and I was like, no, I didn't do it. I didn't, you know, and he's also in conflict with my Catholic, my Catholic upbringing and the, um, ideals associated with, you know, waiting until you're married to have sex. But in my mind, in my little mind, seven and 11, and I'm in such pain, um, that they thought I had an ectopic pregnancy, right? So it turned out that I had a ruptured appendicitis and I needed to have an emergency surgery. I was in there for like three weeks because I was, you know, septic inside and I was very close to death. It was, it was a big deal, but like, it was the markers, these things, this literally this morning was like this big thing of like what that, what I made up about myself in his projection of the shame of having sex and how that's attached to, you know, the inappropriate touching <laughs> mm-hmm. of like sex yeah. being on at a, at a young age, but not having any conversation around like my sexuality and like we're meant to be sexual creatures. So, I mean, if the body is built to reproduce, right but there's shame attached to the reproduction. It throws all of everything off inside of the sacral chakra, which ironically is all the things I'm playing with in the life, right? Like, you know, the creative energy, the sexuality and the joy that's attached to sex as opposed to like the burdensome nature of sex. Like, Oh my God, I have to have a baby or I'm not a good woman. (laughs) And I say that totally sarcastically. However, that also colored my lens of perception on how I chose to get married and how I got married and, you know, good women have children mentality, but that's not necessarily true. I know lots of people who don't have any children who are magnificent women and that's an old paradigm and, and, but it lives in that shame conversation the shaming of the sex and the shaming of the creativity and the shaming of the joy of having the sex and the creativity in it. Wow. Forgiveness. Right. It's as the forgiveness works, it's um, it does, it opens up all of these parts of you that are, uh, I don't even know how to word it, but it seems like, like when people say, I want to find my purpose, I'm thinking about purpose. I'm like, purpose is not about what you're doing. That's just the form there. Like we all only have one purpose and that's to return to the source of the truth of who we are. And then how you express that or choose to express that comes through. Well, I believe comes through your gene key imprints, which are your gifts and your talents and your potentialities for expression in your body, in your vehicle. And I love that yours is healing sexuality and um, with you and knowing you the way that I do, there's like this real sense of, um, well, like sensuous joy. It's, it, it's true. There's a part because I'm in my sensing body. That's what the body does. The body senses. However, at the spiritual level there at the soul level, there's the discernment of the soul. And can I, be in all of the gifts of the soul while I embody the body and experience the experience. And all of that 
flows down and through me, not up in me, although because it's already in me, right? Like it's in every single one of us. And like the purpose, purpose is about being, it's got nothing to do with what I'm doing. Right. Right. And, you know, I'm not responsible and neither is anybody else for what anybody else thinks about me. So it's interesting to see how like that doctor's imprint on me literally played through my life. And I mean, I'm 50 years old. That's a long time to carry a misunderstanding and a misinterpretation of it. And then, but the, you know, I think it's Maya Angelou who said that people might forget what you say, but they'll never forget how you made them feel. But there was a belittling happening inside of me. And like, I remember feeling just like shrink back, like afraid of the man, like, what if I did say it to him? Yeah, I had sex. (laughs) Being rebellious towards your doctor. At 11 years old. It's really really interesting how, um, like we're talking about these imprints that get stamped on us, right? As As a belief system about our own self and how that manifests. And I had one also at 11, around 11 or 12 that came from my own mother. So that's so where I made that agreement as you're saying this. Okay, so when you, before I share that aspect of it, my curiosity is, so what was the agreement or judgment you made about yourself in that experience with the doctor that you're now looking at and forgiving? Was there some kind of agreement or something that came up? Yeah. And I think that was tied to my, um, I appreciate the question because like upon further reflection, I could see how I have it that like men know more than I do, right? Like there was a belittling of what I said versus what he said, because he's a doctor and he knows more than I do. I'm just this little girl who does, who's having pain. I have pain, but it's not okay for me to say I have pain. No, I didn't do what you're saying, but he didn't believe me. That was the part. It's like, I let him make me a liar. Like Mm. you in on some in some way around my sex, like I in, in it. Was there a feeling of guilt? And underneath that is the guilt and the punishment. So I love that you asked me that because I've been playing with that one a lot. You know, we talked about that a little bit last week and yeah. how guilt seeks punishment, but the guilt actually was from the seven-year-old experience that got triggered in the 11 year old experience. So it's beautiful to have this relationship within myself to be able to excavate those parts, not feel the pain of them. I'm not having any pain. However, the the pain was already lived. I have the wisdom and understanding of what that is to be able to share it. And I wonder, you know, how many other women are like me? Because honestly, that girls like me girls there are girls just like you well guess what there are women just like me who don't know that they can look inside themselves and trace that thread all the way back to the original place where that lives and even beyond that when I look past my seven-year-old self you know who I hit I hit my mother Mm. I hit my mother and I hit my mother's shame and my mother's guilt and it's like okay now I'm into my lineage and healing the lineage that I come from by having these conversations with you for for 
the world, like the purpose of being present to that pain. Yeah. It's so powerful and uh, it's so fascinating. So I'm, I'm sitting here as we're having this conversation and my mind is kind of blown because we've talked about how your original wound is the guilt and the uncertainty of even knowing who you are and where you fit in, right? You're like, where do I even belong on this planet? Do I, where do I fit in? I'm not in this category. In my skin. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. very skin, right. So, and then that comes with this feeling of guilt for you that you've carried with you. And then for me, mine was, I don't belong here. I'm like, who are these people? I don't belong here. I don't deserve to be here. I shouldn't be here. And then when I was 11, having the experience I had with my mom when I was, um, which I've shared with you, that I was standing in front of the mirror and I had this really long blonde hair and I was brushing my hair like an, like any 11-year-old girl would do. And so this was like, okay, when I was 11, I was in, it was 1982. So <laughs> girls had really long hair. And I was brushing my hair and I was looking at myself in the mirror and I was saying, you're so beautiful. I love your hair. You have so-. And I was like talking to myself and my mom flew in my room into in a rage and threw me on the floor and started beating me with the brush and telling me I was not beautiful and I would never be more beautiful than she was. And how, who do I, who did I think I was? And, and at that moment, I made an agreement with myself to that I was like, oh, this is this is the agreement. If I just stay hidden enough or don't make myself too attractive, then maybe my mom will love me or then it's okay for me to be in the world. Isn't that fascinating? And then I lived with like, that's these unconscious agreements we make with ourselves. And as I'm coming to realize these unconscious agreements aren't made in the head, you can't think your way out of this shit. No, they're felt in the body, which is why it's about embodying and then doing the practices, doing the practices, the singing, the drumming, the alchemy. And when I say alchemy, I mean healing with herbs and flowers and oils and different salts and allowing ourselves to dissolve the crystallizations that live within the skin that can't pollute our body anymore. That's exactly it because they do, they crystallize, they get hard and they live there and they get stuck. It's stuck energy. And um, yep. Wow. You know, it's fascinating because uh, Hildegard de Bingen way back in like the year 1000 had decided, had discerned that all disease comes from the body being stuck or stagnated places in the body. And she, so she would always sign her letters, stay juicy because she had <laughs> sound healers and herbal healers. And like, and she would always say, stay juicy, meaning your body needs to Fluid. stay. Oh, exactly. And that's because we are meant to wend and be in our bodies doing the wending so that we can be connected to all that there, that there is Yeah, in the source. Our body's not like a, 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 we look at it and we think it's a fixed thing, but in reality, it's not. It's by being so high all the time under the microscope. Like, I mean, I'm no scientist and I don't study the way that you study sound and movement and, and that kind of thing. But I know that much. Yeah. We were vibrating beings. Yeah. That somebody uh, recently I was reading said our bodies would be better, better compared to like a flickering light. That's like constantly like, like, and that made me think of like those 1920s movie, movie reels where the, where it's like, and I was like, that's how we are. I bet if we could see it in reality, that's exactly what we look like. Like we're popping in and out of existence all the time. Wow. Yeah. Neat. Isn't that trippy? And then just like thinking of how we, we hold ourselves together 
um, literally by the thoughts we're thinking about ourselves and yes. the stories we're telling ourselves. And how that shows up in the reality that we create for ourselves and what we're manifesting and then being able to reframe that, right? Like, yeah. because this is only one lens of perception, being able to look at what's in front. What about everything else that's going on around, right? Like we have no idea. There's this great quote. Um, our friend Angie says, our friend Angie Gunther says, you never know when somebody's falling in love with you. And like, that is so true because you do not have eyes to see <laughs> Yeah, that the miracle of the invisibility of love and how love is moving through our lives. Like, I don't know. I'm just like, wow, I'm wowed by that. Mm, I love that. That's beautiful. And it's so true. And then, I, you know, and I also say when we're, how that feels when we start falling in love with ourselves, and not from an, e and not from the ego point of view. When we say like self love, no. it's not about vanity. It's not about ego attachment. Mm -hmm. Self love is about, for me, feels like a very strong sense of reverence for the divine that lives within me that's expressing in this body. How about you? I have it the same way. I mean, I think that's the beauty of the work that we're doing at this particular time in the connection is like creating that vortex of like, when I love myself, I'm in my self mastery. I'm willing to look, I'm willing to, I'm willing, I have this willingness. It's open. Like what would God have me do? And what would God have me be? And go and do it. Yeah. And then go and do it. And then go and do it. And some days it's laundry because, you know, it's the physical <laughs> world. So we got to like make sure we're doing the laundry and putting it away. And all the things. Yeah. Yes. And like literally making sure that we are showing up in our highest, right? Like whether that be in our environment and in, in space or with each other or like, you want to mm. begin? Sure. This is beautiful. Okay. Understand these things then. Let us look more closely at forgiveness. How does it work? What really occurs when you forgive? You are a conduit of energy. To the degree that the conduit is in perfect working order, the energy can flow so radiantly that the conduit becomes transparent. That is, it no longer blocks. There's no barrier or limit to the light. When you judge, it's as though you contracted, you made the walls of the conduit smaller, just like building up rust in your pipes, and the flow becomes less and less. As you forgive judgments, it's as though the rust in the pipes were dissolving. It is as though the walls of the pipe that are carrying the liquid of God's love begin to expand and become thinner and thinner and more transparent. Judgment is contraction. Forgiveness is relaxation and peace and trust and faith. Forgiveness allows the spaciousness within your consciousness to grow. For when you look upon the thief that has broken into your home and say, I forgive you, you are decreeing the opposite of what you've learned. You are decreeing that nothing can be taken from you of any value. You are decreeing that judgment is the opposite of what you want. And it will cause you to feel the opposite of how you want to feel. You are decreeing your power to perceive differently. 
You are therefore healing yourself. Mm. Powerful. Mm -hmm. And if you want to come home, you're going to have to become very, very divinely selfish. You're going to have to become so selfish that you will not tolerate judgment in yourself or anyone or anything. Because you will begin to recognize that very little act catapults you to the other side of the universe from where you want to be. Judgment causes the very cellular structure to break down. If you could see this, you would never judge again. When you judge, even the cells of your body go crazy. They vibrate in a completely dissonant way. And there is, contra there is contraction. The fluids do not move through the cells. The, nourish the nutrients do not become transported or delivered to the cells. They waste matter. Wait, excuse me. The waste matter isn't processed properly. Everything gets clogged up and there is disease. Therefore, beloved friends, understand well that judgment is not something to take lightly. Should you then judge yourself if you've noticed you've been in judgment? Should you then judge yourself if you've noticed you've been in judgment? No, that's a judgment in itself. Only love can heal. Therefore, when you know you've judged, go, ah, yes. That's that energy. I recognize that cloud that has just passed through the field of my awareness, but I can choose again. So how does this work? If your ordinary daily life that we know, that we now know is not ordinary at all, if you detect that you have been in judgment of someone or something, recognize that judgment is still with you. That's a present thing, even though you may have enacted it five minutes ago or 55 years ago or 10 lifetimes ago. When you notice it or bring awareness to it, you have made it a very present thing. So it's right here. It's right there in front of you to be undone. And that's what you need to focus on. I'm going to choose again. Know that the experience of looking back in your life and suddenly seeing a scene in which you now, in which now you know you behave self selfishly from ego, that when you are the, that when you were manipulative or cunning or hurtful. Let me read that again because it sounds a little crazy. <laughs> no. Know you the experience of looking back in your life and suddenly seeing a scene in which now you know you behave selfishly from ego, that you were manipulative or cunning or hurtful, or you recognize, my God, I was really in judgment of that person. Ah, uh, if only I could go back and undo it. Know you that feeling. I say unto you, you can, because everything is present. There is no such thing as past and future. There is only now. 
So when you have that thought or that memory, it's coming to you for a very specific reason. As a soul, you are learning about forgiveness and how to undo the effects of your previous choices. And so it is being presented to you yet again that you might make a new choice. So when that old memory comes, stay with it, look at it, recognize how judgment worked at that time, and then say to that person or that event, I judge you not. I extend forgiveness to myself for what I have created. I embrace you and I love you and I free you to be yourself and I bless you with the blessing of the Christ. Wow. That's so beautiful. I know for me, I have always had a harder time forgiving myself than I do forgiving other people. Well, isn't that punishment also known as like (laughs) the perpetuation of um, it comes to me to say guilt of being free, like judging freedom. That's yeah. Judging freedom. And I also just had an insight of that, that um, the guilt and the judgment toward the self almost feels like a way of having false control. Like it's the ego way of having false control of the self when, when ultimately really I might've felt like I didn't have any control that things were just happening. And then instead of just accepting that things are just happening as they're happening, the little ego self says it's your fault. Blame shame. So it's a false way of feeling like you have some control in the world. When in truth, we don't have any control at all, except for over our own attitude. Right. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful, Joya. That was, a be- that was a good insight that I just had there. That's like, a, the, I've been looking at the deeper la- layers beneath things. Cause I'm like underneath this surface layer that I'm conscious of and can think of there's something deeper. Well, and therein lies the depth, right? Like in the the penetration. In the penetration. If you look that word up in the dictionary, it's going to blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Mm. Then see that image or that memory begin to gently dissolve into light until there is no trace of it left, and be done with it. I judge you not. So this is something where for me, I hear this as, yeah, this is us saying this to, it could be the person or that event, but for me, I'm saying it to myself. Oh, me too. And, and I, I love the, the wording in there where it says I embrace you because part of my practice is literally to bring it into me and to love it and love it deeply so that it doesn't hurt anymore. Right. It's really fascinating how I think like I've been. I have forgiven my mom. I I mean, I've forgiven everybody. And then I say, but then me, I'm the one who's held on to that, that self-judgment, self-condemnation. It's re-injury of the wound. And it's only because I've, it's a way of feeling like, oh, I have control. If only I would change something about myself or could have changed something about myself, then the outcome would have been different. Oh my gosh. But that's not necessarily true, right? Like it's not true at all. And 
oh, I have the chills. And in the experience, like we can't change other people's choices. They're going to make the choices that they make. And we get to be surrendered. I get to be surrendered to whatever that choice is. Like they're just not going to do it differently Mm. until they do. Yeah. But when we're little, we don't have that wisdom. We think that we, if only I could change my behavior, which no wonder I learned how to be such a freaking chameleon through life. I'm like, I can blend it and show up. Go anywhere. Yeah. Uh (laughs) It's like, oh, because I am controlling the external circumstances around me by being untrue to myself, not even knowing actually who I even was back then. Yes. Well, we're always becoming. So, I mean, there's that part too, right? Like not understanding that we're just born into the thing we are. That's actually not true. We change through our life, Hmm. through our experience. Exactly. And our choice. Hmm. All right. Like right now. (laughs) Exactly. And I want to say this, I judge you not thing to myself right now. Let's do it. Okay. So I'm going to invite and listeners, I'll invite you to close your eyes and put your hand on your heart. Left and hand on your heart. Left hand on your heart. And, and your palm of your right and open receiving. Yes. Mm-hmm. And say, I judge you not. And you're talking to yourself. I ta- I'm talking to my heart right now. I judge you not. I judge you not. I extend forgiveness to myself for what I have created. I extend forgiveness to myself for what I have created. I embrace you and I love you. I embrace you and I love you. And I free you to be yourself. And I free you to be yourself. And I bless you with the blessing of Christ. And I bless you with the blessing of Christ. Now see that image or memory begin to gently dissolve into light until there's no trace of it left. And be done with it. I'm having like this really beautiful, like heart opening. Like it feels just like (laughs) me too. And I, when I, my eyes were closed and I was envisioning it and I could really Mm -hmm. see like this little black, like little, like a Charlie Brown curly cue, like how they would draw, like it was like going, like being called up to the light and just poof. Poof. Dissolving. Beautiful. (sighs) Right away, the mind says, well, yes, but when I kicked that little boy in the shins when I was four years old, just to watch him scream, he's not here, isn't he? The body is not here, but the body is not quite the soul. Mm -hmm. So I love that this is talking about healing across all timelines and healing in the quantum realm, because there is only now and everything is only now and calling upon my future self. If there is such a thing. Uh, yeah. That, that as I change, you know, it's almost like I see the sacred geometry that as I do the work of forgiveness now for things that I've done in the past or this energy that I'm carrying forward, that that changes and alters and shifts the future timeline of my future self. Yes, I agree that I agree with that. Wow. I know that to be true for my own experience. That's beautiful. All minds are joined. It means that where you extend forgiveness within the consciousness, within your emotional field to another, 
whether they be physically present or not, you are extending to them exactly what you could extend to them if they were physically in front of you. Mm. So this is beautiful. And this is powerful with forgiveness work because I've, I've shared this before with people when it comes to um, working with trauma victims or people in sexual abuse and talking about the power of forgiveness. That's a lot of people will hold on to that. I'm not going to forgive because that means that it's okay. That means I have to have this person in my life. That means I need to make a phone call and say, I'm like, no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean any of that. You don't have to have the person in your life. They don't even need to know you've forgiven them. You don't have to make a phone call. It's just a matter of returning, like having the understanding and the and the broader eyes. And I'm going to include myself in this from now on in this forgiveness work of, of that compassion and understanding and having broader eyes, new eyes that When I say it aloud and I mean it and I send it, whether it's to a person or to myself, that it's landing. Well, and I think that that's a faith walk. Yeah. You know, just trusting in yourself that the work that you're doing to clear you is actually clearing them too. And then I experience, and I've experienced this with my own mother, right? Like when I do my own forgiveness work around whatever the circumstance was that led to the thing or however it goes down. Like it opens space between us for us to love each other and, and to be able to be with each other. And I mean, I recently had a conversation with my mom. When I say that, I mean, like two years ago, I think I just asked her, could you, could we just be friends? I just want to be friends with you and like, take the pressure off. Like you're my mom. <laughs> I take the pressure off. Like you're my mother. And then what that opened up was like a beautiful opportunity for me to be like that with my, with my sons. Like I'm my son's friend and I hold this really beautiful place, you know, and that way that there's no, there's no, um, you know, parents can hold such a, like, I'm going to like mignonette, like do as I say. And the expectations that are attached to it. So like, I literally asked my kids, do you want to celebrate Mother's Day this year? Like, does that feel like something that's true for you? So that I can receive it in a way that's clean and that there's no weirdness in like, I have to take my mom to brunch. I don't want my kids to have to do and the shitting and and all that. Yeah. And it turns out that they like it when I do that. Oh, it's. It's up for real. Because you see, even if they were, they still have to receive it, don't they? They still have their choice to make, whether to accept your forgiveness or to remain in judgment of you. But that's their issue, not yours. Responsibility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Understand then that you are dealing with consciousness. You are not a physical being. You are a spirit. And you ultimately are linked with all the minds at all times. Therefore, forgiveness of another can occur anytime you decide that it can occur. Anyone you've ever believed has wronged you can be forgiven by you in this very moment. Anytime you've judged another and therefore been in judgment of yourself, you can undo that in the very present moment simply by making a different choice. This is the power of choice. And I think, I feel, I feel that this is one of the most valuable lessons 
lessons in the whole of the world is that we are, we have free choice. Like we can choose anything we want and anytime we want, I can choose anything I want anytime I want. Wow. Mm-mm-mm. Reactivity indicates the need for self-forgiveness. I think this is the perfect chapter for me to be reading. (laughs) (laughs) Rest assured, you will continue to project upon others what remains unhealed and unforgiven within yourself. Let me read that again. Rest assured, you will continue to project upon others what remains unhealed and unforgiven within yourself. Each time you react to another, you are being given a sign that there's some kind of energy that's been presented to your awareness that you have not forgiven within yourself. If someone is critical and that pushes your buttons every time they're critical, rest assured, you have not healed that part of your own beingness, that part of your own experience of being critical of others. Whether it's occurring now or whether it seems to be a pattern that you have interrupted and no longer do, you've still not forgiven yourself for having identified with that energy. Use your ordinary experience then in each day to observe what pushes your buttons. And if you stay with it, and and in just a moment, we will give you a very simple technique for doing so. If you can stay with it, it will reveal to you the energies that are in need of your forgiveness. The technique is quite simple. As you go through your day, observe when you feel as though you are in contraction. Are the muscles of your body tight? Is the breath very shallow? Does your voice become faster or louder when you speak about some energy or in some about some energy in someone else? That is a sign that you need to do healing within yourself. When you recognize that these kinds of signs are going on, In other words, life has presented you with an opportunity to be disturbed. That is the sign that there is something that requires healing. So therefore, count it as a blessing if you feel disturbed. So disturbances are blessings. I love that. (laughs) Disturbances are blessings. And this is... The exact practice I used, and this was before I had the way of mastery. I remember when I first read this, I was like, oh my gosh, this is exactly the practice that I did to heal my relationship with my husband when we used to fight and have these terrible fights and we would say the meanest things to each other. And then I had that voice dropped in that said, what about you thinks this is true that it hurts you so much? Because nobody could say anything to you. That if you didn't believe it yourself or you weren't projecting it onto other people yourself, it wouldn't bother you. Like someone could walk up to me and be like, you're so stupid. You're the stupidest person I've ever met. And it wouldn't bother me at all because I know I'm not stupid. And nothing, there's no part of me 
that fears that I'm stupid or thinks that I'm stupid or projects it onto other people. So that wouldn't bother me at all. And so it's very interesting, this energy. (laughs) I remember I had, there was a guy I dated and the first thing he said on one of our dates was um, he started talking about, he couldn't stand his ex-wife because of her infidelity and he can't stand people who cheats. And I was like, Oh, he's a cheater. Right. Because he's projecting his shit. So great. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. Uh Uh-huh. And he's just mad because she gave him a taste of his own medicine. It was like, mirror, mirror on the wall. (laughs) You're not the fairest of them all. (laughs) And that's the power in this, Celia, is really when you, um, when you do this work and you utilize these disturbances to heal yourself, like you, that's alchemy. Now you're alchemizing your, that is the alchemy. Yeah. That now, and then you learn how to hear in a different way and how to see in a different way. And when people are talking to you, most of the time when people are talking to me, I hear confessions. I hear what they're afraid of. I hear what they're doing. I hear, yeah. Like I hear hear their consciousness. I hear their pain. I hear their wounds. Yeah. 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 I think that's, um, I think that's what makes us both powerful um, counsel when people ask for coaching sessions or healing sessions or um, space balancing in their homes and all of that kind of stuff. Like that's part of the, there's because there's multiple ways to heal the things that are that are present and they all go back to the forgiveness. Yeah, and they're all tied to the owl, that original wounding, that deeper mm. thing that happened that we all make an agreement with that we're going to hide ourselves, protect ourselves or conversely shame ourselves and feel unworthiness for. And then we defend it. Either way or we hate ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And all the ways that we show up in our on our defense yeah, <laughs> that's exactly it. That's this. You know, difference. honestly, I have so much compassion in this moment for that. I mean, I mm-hmm. all that all that armor, right? Like, we're yeah. being the one who says the hurtful thing before the other person can say the hurtful thing to you, right? Like, right. this is where softness comes in, where it's just like people can say the god awful stuff, whatever it is, you know, the this, the the that, and again, it's the projection. Mm. But being able to hold in the equanimity of knowing that that's not true, that they just need to get it out because it's their own unconsciousness of their own behavior. And to know that this is a continual work, right? There's no. And the whole life long. The whole life long. And that's what I love about life. Like the, as I continue and I'm blessed to get to continue to live that the more and more I will be able to reveal and heal and come closer and closer to the source. That's right. All right. Healing exercise. Turn your awareness from what you think is causing the disturbance and remember the first axiom. I am the source of my experience. I'm feeling disturbed. What is it in me that needs to be healed? Begin to breathe deeply with the body and rhythmically. Let the body soften and relax and ask, what is it within this person's energy that's really pushing my button? And you will see it right away. Oh, they're so critical. Criticism pushes my buttons. Where have I been critical of others? And it might hit you right away. Well, I'm being critical because they're critical. Or memories will come back, distasteful memories if you're judging them. 
Let them come back. Continue to breathe and relax. Look upon that energy of being critical. Honor it, love it, for it's a creation. It's your creations coming back to you that you might embrace them and transform them. And in that example, just stay with it. Look at it. Ah, being critical. Yes, I can sure be critical. I've been that way in the past. I know that energy very well. Look upon a scene in your memory in which you have been the one being critical. Look upon it with deep honesty and sincerity and say to yourself, I forgive me for being critical. I forgive my judgment of myself. I choose to teach only love. Watch that image disappear from your mind, dissolve from your mind, and bring it back to the present moment and that person that just pushed your button. Again, you don't need to say anything to them at all, although you might, but within yourself, forgive them for allowing the energy of being critical to temporarily make a home in their mind and merely ask the Holy Spirit to replace your perception with the truth and to see the innocent light within them. As you cultivate this, you'll become very, very good at it. You'll be able to do it that fast. And once you begin to see the light in them, you can ask the Holy Spirit, what is this critical energy in them masking? What are they really crying out for? And then you will feel compassion for it will be revealed to you why they are hurting inside. And lo and behold, instead of becoming reactionary with them, you just might be compassionate. Your choice of words, your own behavior might turn out to be different than you could ever have imagined. And yet, though you will be channeled exactly what serves them. And I'm going to pause there and, um, I just thought about a quote that I heard the other day that I really loved and I wrote it down and it's so serving in this moment for this. And it said trauma, I'm going to have to look up who said it, but it said trauma, not transformed gets transferred. Yeah, that's right. It's an energy. It's a conduit just like positivity is. Yeah. And then that's what, like in the, we think about earlier in this book where it said everything is either a cry for help and healing or an extension of love. So if we can look at everything that's not love as, as a we, cry for help, as a cry for help and healing, right. Then it's, then we can see like, oh, they're transferring their trauma. They're trying to transfer their trauma because they haven't transformed their trauma. Mm. And if it's, if it's ringing a bell in me or resonating, then that means it's, there's something in me that is resonating with that trauma, whether it's being that I've experienced it and I still need to heal it or I've inflicted it on someone else. And healing that part, the part of me that was in the trauma behavior. Mm -hmm. Because I've been on both sides of it. Yeah. I think we all are. That's part of being human. Yeah. Deep and, connection too. and maybe it's the experiencing of traumas from other people. And then, and then seeing ourselves do those things that we're able to have compassion for the people who've done it because we ourselves have all did it. 
done it. Yeah. None of us are innocent in from the stuff, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. None of us are innocent from the stuff. And then it takes the person who's done the work to be the transmuter of that trauma that like, okay, I see the cry for help and healing. I'm going to respond with compassion and love instead of reacting. It's responding mm -hmm, to that part inside of me. When you say that Joya, what comes forward for me is like all the reparenting work right? Like going in and taking my little one on my lap and just like making it okay for her to cry and having compassion for the little one who went through the experience that lives within me still because it's all present, right? And understanding where, where those parts are in order to get to the compassion for others. Yeah. Oh, so beautiful. I'm feeling it's very beautiful. I'm feeling like this, wow, this opening experiencing happening right mm -hmm. now with this. I'm so grateful that <laughs> we're reading this this morning. Oh, me too. I feel very, um, I can literally feel that expanding in my body. I hope other people can too. Me too. When I was being nailed to the cross, there was indeed one who raised the mallet to strike the nail. And as he raised the mallet, his eyes met mine for just a moment. And I did exactly what you've described, what I've described to you. I first remembered, and by this time I had mastered this, so that it was done very quickly, I ask, how have I ever wanted to drive a nail through someone else? And I remembered my murderous thoughts. I forgave myself and brought my attention back to that one and asked only to see the light in him. And I ask, what is it that is that what is it that this action is mirroring to me? What is it masking within him? And I saw that one soul, and I loved that one soul, and I felt compassion for that one. And in that moment, mark my words, in that moment of eye contact, that one got it. Because my energy was different, it created the space in which that soul could make a new choice. And that soul saw suddenly the entirety of its experience and realized that if it allowed that mallet to fall upon the nail, it would be a decision to choose to continue being nothing more than a doormat for other people's perceptions. And in that very instant, that soul decided to follow a path that would lead to sovereign mastery and never again to be pawn of any government or any group or any fraction or anyone. He dropped the mallet from his hand. This was a Roman soldier stood up and walked away and disappeared. Wow, this, um, I love this. As I think about when we get to those choice points and awareness mm. that, I, you know, and I've always said this, I believe this with addiction, especially, right? That we come to this point 
where we get to have this brief awareness of that what we're doing is destroying ourselves. And if we choose to still do it, that now it's added on this double layer of knowing. Like when you're doing something and you're choosing from unknowing and you're just in like autopilot mode and you're doing it, when you become aware of it and you still do it, now you're hurting yourself and it hurts worse. Well, what I hear in that is like a pattern of self-hatred because it's perpetuated and in that is the punishment, right? Of the misunderstanding or the or the misidentification of what's really true. And I wonder if that's what most people want in life is just a relief from this self-loathing, this self-wronging, this self-unworthiness, the self-shaming that seems to yeah. be humanity. Mm. That one has gone on to become a master that is known by literally thousands of beings. He is not in physical form. This one visits many, teaches many. This one indeed incarnated perfect mastery and therefore transcended the world. And it all began as a result of my desire to teach only love. And now we have a very good friendship. You see, you may not know how powerful your choice of healing is, You may not really see how deeply and profoundly it will affect you as you go on being a creator, as you go on forever, and you could never possibly know what fruit will be born from the tree in the life of another. But because all minds are joined, when you choose healing through forgiveness, you literally create the space in which the other can also heal their life. Let no moment then be wasted. See nothing as ordinary and see not the perceptions taught to you of the world be justified within yourself. But be you wholly committed to rooting up and out of your beingness anything that is unlike the love of Christ. Think not that I am the only one that can love this way. It is not true. You are here to love as I learned to love. Why? Because you are that love and everything else is just a smokescreen. Forgiveness is necessary. Forgiveness is a skill and an art that will pay you dividends upon dividend, upon dividend, upon dividend, upon dividend. Sounds like spirits making it rain. It will never cease in paying you. Each moment in which you choose forgiveness, you have literally saved yourself a thousand years of suffering. And I mean that about as literally as one can mean it. In short, every act of forgiveness is a miracle that shortens the need for experience in this dimension. Whoa. Wow. Every act of forgiveness is a miracle that shortens the need for experience in this dimension. 
Oh my goodness. That's intense. That intensity. Mm -hmm. And when you find yourself in a situation that you believe is too big, rest assured, it is because something big has finally come to the surface to be healed within you so that more power can shine forth through you because you've reached the place where you're ready for it. More of Christ can be lived. This is making my head spin right here. I just want to cry. I know. (laughs) I feel it. Oh my goodness. Me too. And I love the word forth because spirit said hold forth on Thursday. (laughs) And so just making space inside creates space outside and I'm just witnessing it and the expansion of it. And I'm so grateful. Thank you for being here. Hmm. When you find a situation that you believe is too big, it's because something big has finally come to the surface to be healed within you. So that more power can shine forth through you. Because you've reached the place where you're ready for it. Oh my gosh. Oh, I'm so grateful. More of Christ can be lived. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Ending your day. It is very, very important to let each day be sufficient unto itself. That is when you end your day, always truly end it. And do not take four hours of ritual. You can do it within one breath. As you take a deep breath, as you rest your head upon the pillow, look upon the whole day, embrace it with your consciousness. And as you let your breath go out, say within your consciousness, I release and forgive this day. It has been perfect and it is done. Let go. Just let it go. Why? Because if you don't, you'll bring it with you. Know you that experience. And for three weeks later, you're going, oh gosh, why did I make that decision three weeks ago? If only I would have made a different decision, this wouldn't have happened. That wouldn't have happened. That's probably true, but the point is now, three weeks later, you're still hitting yourself over the head by bringing the past with you, and you miss the glory of the present. You've all heard that a thousand times because it's the truth. Consciousness is a very subtle and powerful thing. You cannot help but create. Remember the goal of this study is to learn to deliberately create with perfect mastery. Therefore, look upon the things of the day and say, it is very good and it is finished. Let each night when you rest your head upon the pillow and you know you're about to go off to sleep, be just like God was in the story, your biblical story of creation, in which it is written that on the seventh day, God rested. God was finished in a sense within the story and have that same quality at the end of each of your days. And if you're carrying some kind of emotional reaction because of something someone said or did or whatever, or something you said or did practice forgiveness before you sleep, 
Because if you don't, you will keep experiencing the conflicted energies during your dream states and communication between you and the other one who has not yet been forgiven will keep on going on until that forgiveness is complete within you. I hope that makes sense to you because it's very important. Time should never be taken frivolously. Play with it, yes, but play with it out of consciousness, out of clarity, out of recognizing that there is no such thing as an idle thought. Each thought creates a world of experience for you, and you are worthy of experiencing heaven. We will have much more to say about forgiveness as we begin to plummet the depths of what it is discovered as you practice forgiveness 70 times, seven times. It takes you deeper and deeper into the very mechanics of consciousness itself. The very mechanics of creation. Forgiveness. Put it at the top of your list until you know how perfectly forgiven you are. Be you therefore vigilant against denying what is still in need of forgiveness within you. For what you deny, you will project. And each projection is a hurtful act to yourself, also to the other, of course, but to yourself. So we will let that be enough for now. There is much that has been said in this hour that needs to be considered again and yet again, so that the awareness begins to truly grasp how important and how powerful forgiveness is. You will reach a place where you absolutely delight in going through your day expressing forgiveness, like a wave emanating itself from the ocean of your consciousness even if nobody is doing anything. Forgiveness itself becomes a delightful energy to live within. Therefore, indeed, beloved friends, forgive you well yourself, and you have forgiven Christ. And when Christ is forgiven, Christ will arise and make his home in your heart and in your mind and even in the cells of your body, and you will know what it means to walk in this world, yet not being of the world. And when you look in the mirror, you will say, behold, the Savior appears. It will not be egoic arrogance that says it, but the recognition of what is true always. I am my father's child, and I am sent to this world to bring light to it. So be you, therefore, at peace. Practice forgiveness well until it becomes like taking a breath. And you will discover power that you didn't know could exist and a freedom whose taste is sweet above honey. I forgive you, not because I've judged you, but because I know the blessing that forgiveness brings to me. Forgiveness is something I perfected as a man. Perfect it within your perfect it within yourself as well, and you will know the glory of Christ. Be you therefore at peace, beloved friends. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Just a beautiful, beautiful lesson. So really, I hear self-forgiveness, 
releasing the day, I feel like this is a really important practice and I don't do this. So I'm going to start being very conscious of this. I do do this practice when, when I was, mm -hmm, I do, I, um, I feel, I take three deep breaths and I fill myself with the air. Like the intention is to fill myself with the breath of divine love and allow the divine love on the exhale to wash all the way through my body, my body from the, from the top of my crown through the bottom of my feet so that it cleanses it out. And then usually I sleep pretty good. <laughs> I, just, I love, I I love these words though, like be sufficient unto itself, like each day be sufficient unto itself, but allowing myself to be sufficient unto myself too, like calling that forward and naming it. I release and forgive this day. It has been perfect and it is done. And like bringing that into my breath practice with, you know, the dissolving of what I, I'm excited to do that tonight. Yeah, I am too. I usually just put a, like my, my philosophy or my motto that I would say is stay in the day you're in. Cause you can't have another day like this. It's not going to come again. And I'm usually good at ending mine with gratitude. Like I'll do the, like go through my day with gratitude, but I don't do this like release and forgiveness. I love that. I'm going to start doing that. That's a new, that's a new one for me. And that's going to be good because um, every day I do something that I need forgiveness for. And every day I'm around people who need forgiveness. So this is a beautiful practice. <laughs> it's a beautiful practice. Yeah. And that this is what the mastery is, right? I am my father's child. I'm sent into this world to bring light into it. That's it. That's it. All of us. That's a purpose unto itself. It's yeah. all about just being who you are. Exactly. All right. So that's the invitation for this week is to work on this practicing of forgiveness and especially notice if any um, uh, blocks to forgiveness come up, resentments toward forgiveness come up, the whole like, why should I forgive that person for this experience come up and just look deeper into that. See what's there. Yeah. Because I also love that this says if something comes up, if something big comes up, I think this is one of my favorite things I've read in here. It's come uh -huh. up, it's ready to be healed so that more light can shine through you because you're ready for it. And everything arises to be healed when we are ready to heal it, not before. So if it's arisen to the consciousness, it's there because it's ready to be looked at, forgiven and released. I'm just grateful for the opportunity to have got to read lesson three. I just feel like it's such a gift. And literally as we're doing the work, like I can feel my heart opening, like literally within my, my whole chest area is just like buzzed up. Yeah. This had some answers um, that I've been seeking that I was asking within the last couple of days. And this had the answers within it as it always seems to do, which is, I always find so amazing. So I hope that this was helpful to you, dear listener. Again, we invite you to purchase the book so that you can read along with the book, put your own notes in the book, underline what jumps out for you with the book, follow along with us in the book. All right. Well, blessings to everybody and light ahead for your life and for your day. Thank you for joining us. Yes. Know your love. May the light within you light the path before you. Mm -hmm. 
Thank you for listening to We Woke Up Like This. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast. Oh, and don't forget to drop us a comment and ask a question. And go to wewokeuplikethis.com to join the Soul Awakened community. See you next time. Bye. Bye.